0: Invite you open your Bibles to Exodus chapter 12, you've noticed the table here. Uh, this is our Lord's Supper table. Some call it communion with the elements there. We're going to talk about that a little bit today. And at the end of the worship service, you'll have an opportunity to join us in this special observance. As I was looking at Exodus chapter 12 this week, I was thinking about Hurricane Harvey. Interesting correlation. I thought about how some of you stayed and did not evacuate. And some of you stayed in homes that were very solid, and others stayed in homes that weren't so solid. But I I pictured some of you waiting for the storm to blow over, just hoping, praying that this wouldn't destroy your home. And that's really the situation that we have in Exodus chapter 12. You have a group of people who are huddled up in their homes. They're praying that the storm will pass over. If you would follow along as I read aloud, chapter 12 in the book of Exodus. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt this month, is to be the beginning of months for you. It is the first month of your year. Tell the whole community of Israel that on the 10th day of this month, they must each select an animal of the flock according to their father's households, one animal per household. If the household is too small for a whole animal, that person and the neighbor nearest his house are to select one based on the combined number of people. You should apportion the animal according to what each person will eat. You must have an unblemished animal, a year-old male. You may take it from either the sheep or the goats. You are to keep it until the 14th day of this month. Then the whole assembly of the community of Israel will slaughter the animals at twilight. This is all new for them. This is all a new a celebration, a new observance that, that Moses is communicating to them. They must take some of the blood, verse 7, and put it on the two doorposts and the lintel of the houses where they eat them. They are to eat the meat that night. They should eat it roasted over the fire along with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. Do not eat any of it raw or cooked in boiling water, only roasted over fire. There's significance to that. We'll look at that in a minute. Its head and its as well as its legs and inner organs. Do not let any of it remain until morning. You must burn up any part that does not remain before morning. Here is how you must eat it. Significant verse 11. He's writing, he's sharing to the children of Israel who are living in the land of Egypt as slaves, as, as captives in Egypt. Here's how you were to eat it, verse 11. You must be dressed for travel, your sandals on your feet, your staff in your hand. You are to eat in a hurry. It is the Lord's Passover. Can I paraphrase? The, Moses is telling the people through God, have your bags packed and be ready to go. Verse 12, significant verse, I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night and strike every firstborn male in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. I am Yahweh. We sang about that earlier, didn't we? I am Yahweh. I will execute judgments against all the gods of Egypt. And that's gods with a little g. Those aren't real gods. Those are the false gods worshipped by the Egyptians. The blood on the houses, verse 13, where you are staying will be a distinguishing mark for you. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. That'd make a great hymn, wouldn't it? Nope, that's a hymn, by the way. When I see the blood, I will pass over you, just in case you don't. Y'all are responding like the group last week. I wondered if they were listening. No plague will be among you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. Now, here's, here's the reminder of what this day is. This day is to be a memorial for you. You must celebrate it as a festival to the Lord. You are to celebrate it throughout your generations as a permanent statute. You must eat unleavened bread for seven days. Only on the first day you remove yeast from your houses. Whoever eats what is leavened from the first day through the seventh day must be cut off from Israel. You are to hold a sacred assembly. That's a time of coming together for repentance and confession a sacred assembly on the first day, and another sacred assembly on the seventh day. No work may be done on those days except for the preparing the people to, that need to eat. You may do only that. You are, verse 17, you are to observe the festival of unleavened bread, because on this very day, I brought your divisions out of the land of Egypt. He's about to do that. He's telling them about what he's going to do. You must observe this day throughout your generations as a permanent statute. You to eat unleavened bread from the first month, from the 11th to the 14th day of the month, in the evening of the 21st day. you must not be, Yeast must not be found in your houses for seven days. If anyone eats something leavened, that person, whether a foreign resident or a native of the land, must be caught off, c- cut off from the community of Israel. Do not eat anything leavened. Eat unleavened bread in your homes. So there's this command to them to sacrifice this animal and be sure that you have unleavened bread. This is the, the, the account of God working through Israel. He called Moses uh, out of the desert, who was in exile, to come back to Egypt to be the deliverer of the people. And Israel is now in captivity. God sends Moses to say to Pharaoh, you remember what he told him? Let my people go. And he comes repeatedly to Pharaoh, let my people go. Let them go out into the desert to worship me, God told uh, Pharaoh through Moses. And and God hardens Pharaoh's heart, and there were 10 plagues, that God brought in. it With each plague, it was to show that God, Yahweh, the Lord God, the Israel's worship, was Lord over all the gods with a little g. There's the first plague the, of the water turned to blood, then the frogs come, then the gnats, then the flies, then the livestock, then boils on man and beast, then hail and lightning, then locusts, and then darkness for three days. And then this last plague, the plague that's that's described here, the death of the firstborn. So this this observance of Passover is instituted here. So I want us to walk through, and number one, if you're taking notes, the observance of Passover has its origins in the Old Testament observance. I'm sorry, the origin has its um, origins in the Old Testament observance of Passover. So this Lord's Supper that we're celebrating today, that we're observing today, has its origins in Passover. First of all, just some things about that. As I read through the passage, deliverance was costly, Deliverance was costly. The cost for the people to be set free was a firstborn lamb a first or firstborn from the sheep or the goats, and it was to be unblemished. It was to be the best of the flock. No blemishes, no, no nothing wrong with it. It was to be sacrificed for the Lord. So it's costly. The best they had, unblemished, and innocent animals died. I had a conversation with a lady one time, and she just thought it was so wrong that that God told the children of Israel to sacrifice animals, those poor defenseless lands. And I said, it really is terrible, isn't it? The fact that innocent animals had to die to be a picture of the sacrifice just shows you how much more costly it is that our redemption needs to be purchased this way. So for the children of Israel, for them to be delivered from from Egypt, deliverance was costly. Secondly, God made provision. God made provision for them. In verse 13 the blood on the houses you're staying in is to be a distinguishing mark for you. God made a made a way, he made a substitute. They took this lamb that was singled out from the flock, a, a yearling that would be healthy, that the family would watch it for 4 days, and then if it was healthy and perfect in every way, then they would sacrifice that. It's most likely that the family would probably be attached to that animal and then watch the father take a knife and sacrifice that animal. It was costly, it was painful. To watch the father do that. But it was reminding the people that God's gonna make a way. He's gonna make provision for you through this lamb for you to leave Egypt. Thirdly, God's provision had to be appropriated. It had to be appropriated. Look at verse seven. They must take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts of the lintel of the house where they eat them. The blood had to be applied. Personal application, each household. There's a talk there of bitter herbs symbolizing the hardship of Egypt and, and unleavened bread reminding them of the, the uh, symbolizing sin should not be in their house. But as the blood is placed on the doorpost, right outside there, there was a trend, would be a trench dug uh, around the doorpost. And as the blood was placed at the top in the form of a cross, the blood would run down and run through those trenches. The family had to say, I'm applying the blood to our, our household. And then the family would pass through into the safety of that home where the blood had been applied. It had to be appropriated. It would not be enough for them to sacrifice the animal if the blood wasn't appropriated and the family didn't pass through the blood and wait for God's protection. Fourth thing about this Passover, the people trusted in God's promises. They trusted in the promises of God. Again, verse 13, the blood on the houses where you're staying is a distinguishing mark for you. When I see the blood... I will pass over you. When the destroyer was to come through the land, and it's described in the the narrative here, we didn't talk about that, but when the destroyer would pass over, if the blood had been applied, the destroyer would pass over and not harm anyone in that household. If they had applied, if they had appropriated the blood to their household. It's this picture, this destroyer, the angel of death, a picture of of God passing over and still protecting his people like the the wings of of a mother eagle Nurturing her, her eggs or her children so they wouldn't be harmed. Arthur Pink says this, It was not merely that the Lord passed by the houses of the Israelites, but that he stood on guard, protecting each blood-sprinkled door from the destroyer. I love that. Moshe Royson, the founder of Jews for Jesus, said this, Redemption began that night. In Exodus chapter 12, began that night behind the sanctuary of those blood-sprinkled doors. So when we talk about the Passover in the book of Matthew in just a moment, I want you to know the origins was right there in the book of Exodus. All of that that took place was a picture or a symbol or a, or a, a teaching point to show what God will ultimately do for them through Christ. So now if you would turn with me to Matthew chapter 26. Fast forward about 1,500 years to the upper room. Do you remember as I was reading through Exodus chapter 12 how many times uh, it was stated, this is to be a memorial to you? This is to be an observance that you do from generation to generation? You're to observe this regularly? That was being fulfilled 1,500 or so years later in the book of Matthew chapter 26 as Jesus gathers his disciples together The plot has been completely thoroughly set forth to have Jesus executed, and Jesus gathers his disciples. So we're now in the upper room, chapter 26, verse 17 of the book of Matthew. This observance is an opportunity for us to remember. What we do today, what Jesus did there, and what we do today is an opportunity for us to remember. Verse 17, on the first day of unleavened bread, remember reading about that in Exodus 12, the feast of unleavened bread? On the first day of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, where do you want us to prepare the Passover so that you may eat it? They're doing exactly what Scripture said to do. They're ready to observe this memorial Passover that reminded the children of Israel of being uh, taken out of captivity by the blood of the lamb that was sprinkled on the door. Verse 18, go into the city to a certain man, he said, "and and tell him, teacher says, my time is near. I am celebrating the Passover at your place with my disciples. So the disciples did as Jesus had directed them and prepared the Passover. When evening came, he was reclining at the table with the 12. That's the way they ate, leaning on one elbow and eating with the other hand. While they were eating, he said, I assure you, one of you will betray me. Deeply distressed, each one began to say to him, surely not I, Lord. And He replied, the one who dipped his hand with me in the bowl, he will betray me. The Son of Man will go just as it is written about him. But woe to the man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been better for that man if he had not been born. Then Judas, his betrayer, replied, Surely not I, Rabbi. You have said it, he told him. Verse 26. As they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed it, broke it, and gave it to his disciples. Now, they were used to that. Let me just pause right there. They were used to that. They knew what Passover was about. They knew that there would be bread there. They knew that there would be the wine there to celebrate. They knew that all of that would be there to remind them of what happened in in the Exodus event, in chapter 12 of Exodus. They knew that. But listen to how he, he changes everything. He gave it to his disciples, and he said as he gave them this bread, take and eat. This is my body. He took the cup, and after giving thanks, he gave it to them and said, drink from it, all of you. For this is my blood that establishes the covenant. It is shed for many for the forgiveness of sins. But I tell you from this moment, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the day when I drink in in a new way in my Father's kingdom with you. And after singing psalms, they went out to the Mount of Olives. And we know how the story unfolds that Jesus is betrayed and executed and dies for them. And pays the price for their sin, sheds his blood on the cross, and rises again. Let's make application, all right? Because this is our opportunity. We do not celebrate Passover. What we celebrate is what we call the Lord's Supper. We look at this event in Matthew chapter 26, some call it communion, and we observe this on a regular basis to remind us of the cross. Isn't that great? They celebrated to remind them of their deliverance from Egypt. We go back and and, uh, observe it to to remind us of the cross. First of all, we recognize the cost of our redemption. Remember I said the, the lamb was a costly sacrifice. Jesus Christ is the sacrificial lamb. We have to recognize the cost of our redemption, the cost of our sinfulness. We're under condemnation. The Bible is clear, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The wages of sin, Romans 5, Romans 6, 23, the wages of sin is death. That's spiritual death, separation from God. We are under that condemnation, and there's a cost that was paid for our redemption, and it was the Lamb of God. There's a story told of a woman in Europe. She's touring Europe, and she sees a necklace that she wanted, and she calls her husband and she tells her husband, it's, it's a beautiful necklace. It's $75,000. So she's doing this by way of telegram. May I buy it? And so he telegrams back to her, no, comma, price too high. Well, when they transcribed the telegram, they left the comma out. And this is the telegram she got no price too high. She bought the necklace. She went back to her husband, and she said, "And he just he blew a gasket. He said, no, I said, no, the price is too high. She said, well, that's not the telegram I got. The story goes that they sued the telegraph company to try to get reimbursed for the money he did that was spent there, and it's told that that's why now they spelled it out. After that, they spelled it out, the, the, like the letter stop, instead of just a period, S-T-O-P, when you read a telegram, so nobody would make that mistake again. See aren't you glad that God didn't say no price too high? I'm glad that he said no price too high. We need to recognize the cost of our redemption. Secondly, we can rejoice in God's provision just like they did. God's provision was a sacrificed lamb that had been observed for 4 days. We have the spotless lamb of God. The Bible says in Hebrews, he was tempted in every way as we are yet without sin. He is our spotless lamb. He was observed for three years, yet without sin, the Bible says. The New Testament refers to Jesus as the Lamb of God around 30-plus times. He is our Lamb. I love Romans 5, 8, one of my favorite verses. God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God's provision. God's provision in our place. Jesus suffered the wrath of God on the cross, so that He could pay the price for our sins. The Bible says, He who knew no sin became sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of Christ, righteousness of God in Christ. We rejoice in that provision. I'm so thankful that He said, I will pay the price. Thirdly, we've received God's provision. If you're here today and you're a follower of Christ, this blood. Has been applied to your life. Remember in the the Exodus chapter 12, they had to take the blood and apply it to the doorpost. It had to be applied. The blood of Christ, the choir sang about it. We're gonna remember it with this with this juice in just a moment. It, it doesn't that the symbolizes the blood of Christ doesn't mean anything, but it hasn't been applied to your life. Verse, uh, John chapter 1, verse 12. As many as received him. To those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. It is not enough that you believe that Jesus died for you. It's not enough that you believe that he shed his blood for you. It's not enough that you, that you understand that you're a sinner. You have to receive him by faith. And I believe that's a simple prayer of confession. Lord, I'm a sinner. I, I trust you as my Savior, and I invite you to take my life, take control of my life. That's receiving him by faith. It has to be appropriated. Arthur Pink does this really neat description of the blood on the doorpost in Exodus chapter 12 and, and, and says it this way. You have the blood above, reminds us of the pierced head with the crown of thorns. You have the blood on the sides, remind us of the nail-pierced hands. You have the blood below, which reminds us of the nail-pierced feet. God's provision for us has to be received. If you've never received Christ as Savior, I invite you to do that today. It's by faith that you would acknowledge that you've sinned, that he died in your place, and that you'd be willing to trust him for your eternity and for this reality of salvation at this moment. The last thing is we, as followers of Christ, rely on God's promise. I rely on it. The children of Israel had to rely on, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. That's a promise. They huddled up in those houses, waiting for the destroyer to pass over. They trusted in the promise of God. I trust in the promise of God today because the Bible says, whosoever or whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. The Bible says in John chapter 10, I am in the hands of the Father, in the hands of Christ. No one can pluck me out of his hands. In 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins... He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's the Passover. That's the Lord's Supper. That's communion. That's what we will observe in just a moment. In November of 2008, a gang of terrorists busted into a hotel in Mumbai, India. And after they were through uh, with their rampage, 200 people were dead. And there was one man in that restaurant Who'd gone to that hotel for dinner that night, who was not killed. And afterwards he was being interviewed. "How did you survive this bloodbath?" And he said, "Well, when the shooting started, someone pulled me under the table. And I lay there, and the gunmen went around, the gunmen went around shooting people, and he says they were just shooting everyone, they thought, until they assumed everyone was dead. And miraculously, that man survived. And they asked him, how do you think you survived when everyone else was killed? I love his line. He says, I suppose it's because I was covered in someone else's blood, and they took me for dead. Folks, that's the privilege of us. If you know Christ as Savior, you've been covered by his blood. I pray that you have. Would you bow with me in prayer?